Yo, what up? DC here. More on that later. Uh, we're about to play a game made by Pelgrane Press. This is Cthulhu Confidential, authored by Robin D. Laws, Chris Spivey, and Ruth Tillman. Get it at pelgranepress.com, P-E-L-G-R-A-N-E press.com. We receive nothing for it except for uh, the following bit of entertainment. Peace. <laughs> Set in a parallel 1940s where supernatural terrors are real, you're listening to Mysteries and Madness, a collaboratively created fiction. I'm Dave Colmine, the director. I know who's done it, and I portray the places, people, and entities in our story. And I'm Todd Sullivan. I play Jack Shepard, a former boozy news reporter, now a boozy private investigator, who stumbles onto the darkness that dwells just under the surface of the city. This is Mysteries and Madness, the case files of Jack Shepard, Case 1, The Vanishing Socialite, Chapter 1. Los Angeles, 1940s. Beneath beguiling surfaces, corruption rules. Dig down past that seething layer of human indifference, and the one obsessed enough to keep looking finds a deeper, occulted indifference of cosmic proportions. That obsession belongs to you. Private investigator Jack Shepard, witness to a coming reckoning. You will walk down insane avenues and hope not to go insane yourself. So our story takes place in Jack Shepard's office. Jack, what does your office look like? My office is dimly lit on account of my usually being at least somewhat hungover on any given day. So the the blinds are closed and the light bulb is probably a bit on the dusty side. I've got an ashtray on my desk with uh, a few stubbed out cigarettes and maybe a stogie or two in it. So slide open the first drawer of your desk. What is it? Well, there'd be a Mickey in there for sure. And maybe some pens, pencils, a gun. I must have a gun if I'm a private investigator. I probably wouldn't carry it with me unless I know I'm going into something dangerous, but... That makes sense. So, top drawer of your desk, there's a gun. And a Mickey. And a Mickey. And a pack of cigarettes. And a pack of cigarettes. What else What else does a fella need? On the ground next to the desk is a wire mesh trash bin that's filled with the empty Mickeys that I have gone through recently. Haven't made it to the recycling bin yet. I guess recycling is probably a different thing in the night. No, I don't think it is. I think just I the think it garbage. just goes in the garbage. Yeah, that's you're right. right. Would you have anyone who cleans your office God, for no, you? I couldn't afford that. Mm, I couldn't right. afford that. So that brings us to a great point. Uh, one of the cool things about this game is that you get to start the game with some flaws. So let's talk a little bit about what flaws our character Jack Shepard has. He is very broke, very broke. He recently made a big career change. He used to be an investigative reporter, but on account of his, uh, his other flaw, which is that he's an alcoholic, his, his career in journalism kind of tanked. He'd show up late, he'd show up disheveled, he'd, he'd show up with booze on his breath and red-rimmed eyes. He did good work, but he wasn't dependable to meet deadlines necessarily. So he decided to take his desire for investigation and open his own private investigative firm. But he's new at it, doesn't exactly have a big client base, and most of his startup cash went to the liquor store. So he's broke. And he also has a an ongoing, continuous need 
to slurp back mostly brown liquor, occasionally clear liquor, but mostly brown. So as you sit in your office, I assume nursing another hangover, mm. is Jack a big coffee drinker? Yes. So a little splash of whiskey in the coffee first thing in the morning, though. Got to have the bit of the hair of the dog. There you go. So black with a bit of whiskey? Yeah, you betcha. All right. So as you sit there sipping your hair of the dog, you get a knock at the door to your office. Come in. The door swings open, and in walks a sultry, cool woman of financial means. She asks you, Jack Shepard, I assume? Do you assume correctly? How can I help you? Word on the street is, you don't back down and don't take bribes, and I need someone I can trust. You see, it's my sister, Helen. Six weeks ago, she went missing. But four weeks ago, she turned back up, wandering down the streets late at night in nothing but a blood-stained camisole and slip. The cops picked her up, recognizing her as the missing heiress, and discreetly took her home. But what's bizarre is that upon returning, she didn't even recognize me. She's been all but mute and nearly catatonic ever since. I've given her the best care money can buy, and the doctors, they don't have any explanation. I asked the police to look into it, and of course they gave a half-hearted investigation and turned up nothing useful. I worry that perhaps she got mixed up in something scandalous, and I figured if the police pushed any further, they might expose it, and then it would reach the papers. That's why I'm here, for you. Margaret pulls a metal cigarette case out of her small purse and leans in. Can you give me a light? And you need to roll, keeping it professional with Margaret. Oh my. Uh, this has an advance of four plus. So we can get into the minutiae and the rules a little bit right here. Yeah, let's There do. are challenges from time to time. And in this game, we roll six-sided dice. And this is a cool challenge. So what is your cool rating, Jack Shepard? Two dice. Two dice. Yep. So Jack can roll up to two dice during this test. Uh, you begin by just rolling a single die. And if unsuccessful, you can roll your second die. And if successful, you gain a push, which is another little method we have for you gaining the information you mm -hmm. need and subverting some pressure or control over the plot and where it goes. So this is a nice easy test to kind of ease us into this whole experience. So you roll your first of the two dice you have available to you for cool. And there are three potential outcomes here. It could be a setback a hold, which is kind of just an average result, or an advance, which helps our character out a little bit. And I disclose to the protagonist what the advance roll minimum is. Which, which is, is four. Which is in a four plus. So you need an advance of four plus using cool to keep your cool and maintain professional with Margaret. I don't want to be professional with Margaret. Well. <laughs> All right, here we go. We got a, a one, not a great start. Not a great start. Second die is going to be three. That's four. Ah, okay. That gets us to the four you require. So you can see why a hundred guys would fall in love with a woman this glamorous and smart. Fortunately for you, you're not one of those guys. You gain an edge called self-possessed. I'm going to spark up my own cigarette at the same time. I, yeah, see, that's a very cool move. So not only do you light her cigarette, you light your own afterwards. I dig it. Actually, I'll light mine first as, a, uh, as an act of control, yeah. So whenever you succeed with an advance, you gain an edge. This particular edge is called self-possessed. A show of self-control gives you the confidence you'll need if this case gets hairy. Now, what this allows you to do 
is spend an extra die on cool or stability. Okay. So is that a one-time use thing? It is a one-time use thing called self-possessed that you can spend at your leisure when needed. So you have no idea where she was for those two weeks? Not a clue. I'm getting no information from her. I worry I may have waited too long to take action. I was hoping she would have shown signs of recovery by now, but I increasingly fear I'll never get the story from her. All I really want is to get the sons of bitches who did this. Well, I'll admit that following a trail that's six weeks old might be challenging, but I'd be willing to give it a try. These are my rates. Oh, well, I can afford this. I would afford whatever it took. What I care about is discretion. And I hear that you operate with a great deal of that. I certainly can. Is there anything else about her disappearance and, and reappearance that you haven't told me about? She did have cuts and scrapes. Nothing serious, no big physical injuries, but she definitely came back pretty beat up and bruised and covered in blood. Cuts and scrapes where? Superficial ones, a little on her forehead, mostly her hands. Nothing to account for the amount of blood that was on her. So the blood likely came from somewhere or someone else? I know nothing more. I, as I assume so. I, I swear someone's behind this. I just don't know who. I feel someone has enacted a purposeful attack on my sister. Can you tell me where she was last seen before disappearing and where she turned up? And also, if you know, where was she planning to go or what she was, what was she planning to do on the day that she disappeared? No, unfortunately, that's all I know. She did sneak out and have seemingly concealed some activities. There were nights she went out and I don't know where to. Mm -hmm. We were never very close. She was always so wild and me the more thoughtful and hardworking, taking over father's company. Mm. Helen seemed to be juggling several men. I only ever met one of them, a man by the name of Marshall Daly. He came by the house about five weeks ago looking for her. He struck me as handsome, if not angry, and probably the jealous type. But she had been different lately. Ever since mother came ill, she started talking nonsense about auras and secret masters and pyramids. I don't know who dragged her into all that nonsense, but I do remember her saying the phrase Argent Light Argent more than light. once. You mentioned your mother had become ill. Yes, uh, our mother died about two years ago. That's when father decided to retire and pursue his personal interests and I took over his company. It's just Helen and myself and father, plus a few servants in the house. So when he, when he retired to pursue his interests, what interests were those? Just the usual interests of the wealthy middle-aged, golf, time on his yacht, the country club. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can, I can completely relate. Is there anything else odd about uh, this situation that you haven't told me about? Anything that sort of sticks in your mind that you haven't mentioned? The blood. I mean, there was so much blood on her camisole, and yet she only had the most minor scrapes. I don't know whose it was, but it seemingly didn't come from her. Mm -hmm. I wish I could tell you more. I confess... It's been tough for me to conceal my disapproval of Helen's waywardness and her wild side. And she stopped confiding in me years ago. All I ask is for help in solving this and finding whoever caused this grief to her. I want revenge. I'll do what I can. Thank you. Where is she at right now? She's at home in our manor, receiving the best care 
one can provide. How would you feel if I were to drop by with a doctor associate of mine to have a look at her? I'm reluctant. I don't think you'll get anything out of her. At best, you'll throw her into one of her fits. I'd rather you didn't. All right, fair enough. Is there a number I can contact you at? Yes. And she reaches out to your disheveled desk, finds a pen, and writes the number down on a nearby piece of paper and passes it to you. All right. Her name is Margaret. Margaret. Margaret Deacon. Deacon. I thank you for the information. I probably ask for some sort of a, an upfront payment to cover some initial expenses. No problem. She writes you a check to cover your expenses for the next two weeks. More brown liquor. <laughs> Pardon me, Ms. Deacon, before you go, but can you tell me about where I might be able to find Marshall Daly? Oh, yes. He was a screenwriter at Capitol Pictures. Uh, they have a, an area there, a complex, where all the studio writers hang out and write their pictures and... I think you find him there most days. Excellent. Thank you for your time. So, Jack, uh, Margaret leaves your office. What's your next step? Well, I think it's time to head to the movie studio and see what Marshall Daly might be able to tell us about all this. All right. How do you get to the, to the Capitol Pictures movie studio? I guess I'll take my car. Tell me a little bit about Jack's car. Yeah, so it's a it's a 1937 Ford Coupe. It's brown. It's a bit rusty. It's not very well taken care of. Jack is not the sort of person who believes in preventative maintenance in any aspect of his life. So yeah, it's a bit beat up, but it gets the job done. It gets him from point A to point B. It's probably usually on the verge of being out of gas because he's always pinching pennies. But I suppose I'll go, now that I've got two weeks of expenses in my pocket, I'll go and uh, splash some gas in the tank on my way to the movie studio so I make sure that the, the car can handle the next little bit. You arrive at the Capitol Pictures lot to an office area called Typewriter Alley. Typewriter Alley resembles a one-story motel with a line of offices connected by a long wooden porch underneath a terracotta tiled awning. That's cool. I'd like to work there. Especially if they're like beds too, like you could type for a while, go like one. How do you approach? Well, the first thing I'm gonna do is see if there's any kind of identification on any of the doors. Yes, you walk the boardwalk and find a door with the last name Daly on it. They have a little listen at the door. Can I hear anything? No, you don't hear anything inside, but as you're there listening, you hear a voice from behind you. Hey, what are you doing there and in my door? All right, I spin around, shocked. You see in front of you a dashing-looking man who could double as a matinee idol. Are you one of those damn scoundrels who have been following me around all the time? Not all the time. I haven't followed you around at all, in fact. <laughs> this is the first time I've tried to find you. Hi, I'm, uh, I'm Jack Shepard. I'm looking for Marshall Daly. As you say that, do you reach an arm out? Do you reach a hand yep. out to... As you uh, reach a hand out to shake his hand, he attempts to take a poke at you. He tries to smack you in the face. What? As you introduce yourself, uh, you notice a shift in his body movement, and you need to sense trouble, as it seems that Marshall could potentially be moving to attack you. Holy cow. Writers, they're so violent. So, what's your sense trouble rating? Uh, two. So you start by rolling one die. Uh, an advance is six plus. Two, three, 
With a three, you don't advance. Now this gives you the opportunity. You can add an additional problem to gain a die roll if you chose. No, I'm going to let him get the pop in if he does. So you got a three, did you say? Yep. A three is a hold. Uh, Marshall socks you. And then you punch him back even hard, knocking him off his feet, which secures his cooperation. <laughs> Wasn't expecting fisticuffs this early, but... Marshall is uh, sitting on the ground of this boardwalk in front of you, massaging his jaw. And it's going to say... Okay, okay, I, buddy. I would have preferred to shake hands, but if this is your preferred greeting, then I'm okay with that. Man, you you got quite the punch there. As he massages his jaw. What, what are you doing here? Why are you coming around punching me in the face? Well, I think you'll find that you started it, sir. <laughs> Uh, I'm here uh, because I am investigating the disappearance and reappearance of Helen Deacon, and I heard from Margaret Deacon that you had maybe been engaged with her uh, socially. Marshall looks at you with a mix of, of shock and confusion and relief. Helen, so, so that means she's been found? I was, I was so worried. Friggin' Margaret didn't even bother to let me know. Well, it's my understanding that she's not well. She's been mute and unresponsive in the, I believe it was four weeks since she was found. This uh, strikes Marshall and causes him to look both shocked and worried. What can you tell me about your relationship with Helen? Well, until about six weeks ago, I received regular visits from Helen. She'd drop in, we'd hang out here or at her suite at the Chateau Maman, enjoy a quick tumble and then leave. I always wanted more, but she kept things at arm's length. I last saw her here at my office. I don't know the exact date. More than six weeks ago, for sure. I, I had no idea she'd gone missing until she didn't come around for a while. I went to where I was looking for her, and that's where I met that forbidding battle axe dressed in cute kitten's clothing she calls a sister. She came off as worried, uh, but she wasn't willing to talk to me. Do you know anything strange or out of the ordinary that Helen had been involved with or had been looking into in recent weeks? Well, she once tried to get me to attend a meeting of a group called the Order of Argent Light, uh, ran by some woman named Clara Nebel. Now, <laughs> I just laughed so hard, she never even brought it up again. So was the name of that organization again? It was Order of the Argent Light, something like that. Also, one time I found a really high-dollar casino chip in her purse, and I recognized the casino as the Alegria. I tried to get her to go gambling there once, but she reacted like she'd run over a cat. I don't know what happened. I'd never do anything to hurt Helen, and she always kept me in arms like that. I really not ever got to know her much better than that. I always had a girl or two on the side as well, of course. Of course. Was there anything odd about that uh, high-dollar chip? Any markings on it that were unusual? Nothing out of the ordinary. Just seemed like a... Interesting thing that she would be a gambler who wouldn't want to go back to that casino. And do you recall or did she tell you where the meeting of the Order of the Argent Light was going to take place? No, I mean, after I began laughing, she never brought it up again. Is there anything else that you remember about what Helen was doing in the last week or so before she disappeared that I haven't asked about or that you haven't told me about? Someone's following me. I'm sure of it. I don't know who it could be. I mean... Most likely a jealous husband of some type, but I just don't know. That's why I thought you were here as the person who was following me. And I took a, took a swipe at you. No hard feelings. Well, I appreciate that. Do you 
have you noticed anything about the person that you say is following you? Have you caught like a license plate on a car, uh, seen a man, uh, you know, repeatedly over a series of days who seems to be following you that you give me a description of? Uh, I do wonder whether or not this could be connected to Helen's disappearance. No, I haven't the faintest clue why someone would be following me. Like I said, maybe a jealous husband. Do you know of any husbands who would have a reason to be jealous? I, I don't tend to get to know the women well enough to know who their husbands are, if you take my meaning. I have the sense that he's hiding something. Okay, well, there is an ability called Assess Honesty. Yeah, so let me assess his honesty then. Assessing his honesty suggests that Marshall's being cagey about something. Mm-hmm. So your instincts are correct. Yeah. Is this a situation where I could use a push? This is a situation where you can use a push. I am going to... I'm going to push this fellow a little bit and see if I can get some information on what he's hiding. Okay, so you you push Marshall further. I'm part of a group of screenwriters with communist motivations. We work together to try to make Hitler's Germany look bad in our movies and strike a great blow for our cause. I worried that perhaps you were part of LAPD's notorious Red Squad, which functions as a corrupt shakedown and political intimidation unit. Barely legitimate, but which has been known to jail people with communist ties. And you think that's the person that might be following you? That is my worry. Um, Well, uh, thank you for your time, Mr. Daly. I trust if I need anything further from you, I can find you here. Most afternoons. And if there's a sock on the door, come on back now. (laughs) I will keep that in mind. And uh, let's go for a handshake next time, shall we? Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. What time of the day is it? So it's getting to be late afternoon. What is Jack's next move? I think it's time uh, to maybe visit the Alegria. I imagine there's probably someplace there I could grab a cocktail. It's, you know, afternoon. It's probably five o'clock somewhere. Got to get a little bit of brown liquor in me at this hour and, and maybe poke around and see what I can learn about what they're up to and what they might know about Helen. As you get in your 1937 Ford Coupe and drive towards the Alegria Casino across L.A., what's, what's passing through your mind? Well, I'm wondering what Helen might have been up to at the casino. I'm wondering what she was doing with a, with a high-value poker chip. It was a poker chip, right? Yes. $100 chip. $100 chip. 1940s is a lot of money. Yeah. And, of course, I'm, I'm obviously wondering about this Order of the Argent Lights which seems to be fairly significant in her, in her well, significant enough that she was trying to get Marshall Daly to go to a meeting with her. Wondering how all of these things combine together, right? And I'm, I'm imagining one of those, those boards with the pins and the, the string connecting things. And Jack's streetwise ability inform him of where this casino is, as well as the fact that it is an illegal casino. Oh, it's an illegal casino? Oh, okay. The Alegria is far from Warner's and Universal and Disney Studios in the suburbs of Burbank. You know that it's owned by a guy named Whitey Alexander. Whitey answers to the system. The old line, white shoe, Anglo mob run by former vice cop turned crime lord, Guy McAfee. You know that the LAPD have been paid to look the other way and allow this casino to continue. Whitey, who runs the casino, has a reputation as a mobster you can depend on to treat you right, provided, of course, that you're either lining his pockets 
or not standing between him and his profit margin. I will offer you an opportunity to spend a push to pre-establish a respectful relationship with Whitey, the owner of the casino. Sure, I'll take that. All right. At the beginning of the game, our protagonist started, Jack Shepard started with four pushes. We've now spent two. Mm -hmm. So uh, our player Todd is down to two left. This pre-established respectful relationship, how was it created? What was the circumstance that made you and Whitey friends? Maybe he dropped me some details about a competing mob family for a story I was working on in exchange for my agreeing to continually look the other way on what his family was up to. I like it. That works for me. So Whitey trusts you enough to talk to you and respond in a relatively forthcoming manner, but you guys aren't exactly friends. Yeah, for sure. The attitude of Whitey towards you is best summed up as, for a dick, you're all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm always going to favor the mob guys who are just making money from gambling over the guys who are making money from murder. Fair. That'd be my take. As a mobster, he's all right. There you go. All right. <laughs> In the varying degrees of gray out there, he's yeah, one yeah. of the lighter of them. Exactly. I dig it. I dig it. So I guess when I get there, I'll, I'll hit the bar, I'll get myself a whiskey, and I will see if Whitey Alexander is available to talk. As you step into the swank lobby, off to one side, there's an adjoining lounge where Cole Porter's in the still night is being sung by a beautiful woman on stage in a silk evening gown. You can see across the casino floor where Bing Crosby Nods appreciatively in the big room as he throws dice at the craps table. Roulette and blackjack games play out all around. Wide-shouldered security stand throughout the room, guns bulging beneath their tuxedo jackets. You can recognize with your streetwise insight that Whitey has greatly reinforced his security since the last time you were here. Looks like he's expecting trouble. Due to your pre-established relationship with Whitey, you spot a man named Burl Treehorn, a casino henchman you recognize. Okay, I'll approach and, uh, and see and ask him if Whitey is about. Burl nods and heads back to Whitey's back office to ask if the boss wants to chat. Meanwhile, you are drawn in by the gambling all around you and must face the challenge, avoid the tables, roll cool with an advance of seven plus. Man. And with all of this advance in my pocket too, I got two weeks worth of money. I could turn into four weeks worth of money if I got a good roll. Uh, three. Sorry, what's the threshold again? Seven plus. Seven plus. Okay. For an advance. Yeah. Seven. All right. With a seven plus, gambling is for suckers, and you're not a sucker. So you watch the other friends set their money on fire and wait patiently to talk to Whitey, gain the edge, self-possessed. So now you have two self-possessed self edges. Man. <laughs> uh, I'm not used to being this straight-laced. <laughs> Burl Treehorn returns to you at the bar. The boss will see you now. You are then escorted to the back of the casino and down a corridor towards Whitey's office. As you walk down the hallway, a nervous pinstriped shrimp carrying a folder bulging with adding machine tapes strolls past you in the other direction. And stroll is the wrong word for it. The man checks his watch and speeds past. He's nervous and looking at his watch constantly. You can tell with your streetwise and his nervous looks, this guy knows something. 
I'm being escorted by... A henchman. A henchman, yeah. Hmm. Can I tell where the guy speeding away is going to end up? You look over your shoulder as you continue being escorted down the hallway and lose the man in the crowd of the casino floor. Okay. I feel like that was a missed opportunity, but I also feel like stepping away while a henchman is guiding me in to see the... The mob boss is maybe not wise. When Whitey Alexander says he'll see you now, he means he'll see you right effing now. Hunting trophies, oak furniture, and a rifle rack lend Whitey's office an air of rustic manliness. He paces impatiently behind his desk. What can I help you with, Jack? I'm a busy man. Whitey, how's the family? Ah, same old, same old, but you know what it is. We keep the problems inside the family. Now, is this what you're here for, asking me about my business? It is not, but I am, you know, I'm just curious. I want to make sure things are going well for you. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm wondering. Uh, I'm working a case, but a woman named Helen Deacon. Helen! Who disappeared. You know the name? Yeah, Helen was my girl. Really? I mean, I hear Helen's not been doing so well, but I didn't want to look in on it because she'd been trying to keep this all on the hush-hush. That degenerate father of hers... He might spend his days here, but we still, we didn't want to let him know what we were up to. So her father gambles here a lot? Does he ever? He's he's practically a painting on the wall. That's one of the reasons we started hanging out, Helen and I. I suspended her father's gambling debts, and Helen kind of became my girl. So did you know that Helen had gone missing? Yeah, I heard she'd gone missing, and I heard she'd shown back up and not in a great state. Yeah. It must be that witch of her sister, Margaret. She never did like having me around. You know, she once barged in here and made a scene trying to haul Helen out. When was that? Ah, uh, three, four months ago now. Why was she trying to get Helen out of here? How should I know? That sounds like a question from a Margaret. Fair enough. She was just my girl. Do you recall Helen ever mentioning something called the Order of the Argent Light? <sighs> Those crazy cultists. Helen got mixed up with them. I wouldn't surprise me if that's where all this came from. I don't believe in that nonsense. But they do say people do black magic rituals under the full moon near that Hollywood sign. Mm-hmm. You know, some starlet off herself there years ago. They're pretty much keeping a prisoner in that house now from what I hear. Helen, you mean? Yeah. Given enough time, I might just have to break her out. But for now, I'm in a bit of a spot myself, so I'm just leaving things be. Yeah, pardon me for asking, but I did, I, I did notice that your security seems to be beefed up since the last time I was here. What's going on, man? I guess... Man, it's probably not very 1940s. <laughs> What's going on, my dude? Ah, it's nothing I can't handle. Some bum from the East named Bud Baron. He's been squeezing me on behalf of Budsy Siegel. He keeps offices in a magazine warehouse, of all things. Uh, you know from your streetwise, uh, you've been hearing rumors that a magazine company called A.M. Hilliers has become a mob front. You know, things might get bumpy for a while, but it's nothing we can't handle. And I know that we'll eventually run those interlopers out of town. Just like my predecessor, good old Charlie Crawford, did back in 27 with Capone. Yeah, one more thing. Do you know why Helen might have had a $100 poker chip? Did Helen gamble here or not? I mean, we had a lot of fun. Helen and I, there were times we'd spend at the tables, for sure. Yeah, so she liked to gamble here? I mean, it seems odd to have a $100 poker chip for someone who didn't gamble. I gave it to her to remember me by. A little bit of a good luck charm, you know? Can't help but wonder how honest he's being. That's my subtle way of saying I want to assess honesty. You assess his honesty about this chip being a gift, and he is being honest. I'm just, yeah, I mean, 
Full disclosure, your your body language definitely revealed that there's more he knows about something. Yeah, I mean, I got fucking pages of shit in front of me, man. <laughs> How much was her father's debt before you wiped it clean? I mean, I never wiped it clean. I just suspended collection. Oh, all right. So how much did you suspend collection on? In the mid four bills. That's an awful lot. That's awfully generous of you. Well, you know, anything for my girl, Helen. Yeah. When did you start seeing Helen? Uh, Helen and I started dating about uh, seven, eight months ago. And how did you meet her? Well, I mean, I guess it was around the time Roscoe fell back into some debts with me, but... I'm offended. I'm hurt at the idea that those two things are related. Roscoe's your father? Yes. Roscoe Deacon. Hmm. Is there anything else about Helen that I haven't asked about that you think would be beneficial in my investigation? I am trying to help out your girl and get to the bottom of what happened to her. I'd be looking into that witch sister of hers, Margaret. Never liked her being here. I don't trust her. All right. Thanks for seeing me. Anytime. Come on back now, Jack. But not too soon. All right. I'm going to get a drink. So I think it's pretty close to the end-ish of the day. I'm probably going to have a couple of drinks at the bar here, then uh, head home, crash out for the night. Just as Jack leaves the Allegra, and enters the parking lot. A bomb blows up under one of the cars. An orange fireball throws the car up into the air and lands on its back, crushing a couple of other vehicles. A fiery debris comes hurtling at Jack as you have an athletics challenge oh my to dodge debris with an advance of 10 plus. What the f okay, all right, sure. I mean, there's no way I can get that with, I guess I could get that with two dice, couldn't I? My math, my math is weak right now. Math. <laughs> All right, come on, sixes or a two. So that's six. A two and a four, making six. One of the options you have when in a challenge is you may add an additional problem to your character. Yeah. To gain an additional die roll towards the challenge. And given that I am pretty problem free at the moment, I'm going to take one. You are? Yeah, okay. I am. So you can roll one more die then. Okay. Ah, nine. Six plus three is nine. Uh, nine is not the advance of 10 plus. It is a hold. You aren't hurt, but your clothes are singed. Expect smart Alec remarks about this until you go home to change into a new suit. <laughs> you also gain the additional problem, object of ridicule. So as the car blew up, you reacted far too skittish and scared. Yeah, and I squealed a little bit. That's right. Yeah. And jumped very awkwardly within witness of Bing Crosby and... <laughs> no, Bing, no! And the security of this casino. And it has harmed your ego. Yeah. So after jumping away in an awkward manner, you gain disadvantage on your next interpersonal push. The next time you try to okay, influence yeah, yeah, yeah. someone interpersonally, your ego has been tarnished a bit. You have disadvantage. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to hang around here. After awkwardly jumping out of the way. <laughs> I get it, I get and it. And harming your ego. <laughs> you spot two men sitting in the front seat of a dinged up Ford coupe. Unlike everybody else spilling from the casino into the parking lot, they remain cool as cucumbers. Moments after noticing them, the driver turns the ignition key and starts to drive off. 
Well, I would like to follow them and uh, maybe use some stealth while I'm doing that, if that is the appropriate skill. You may follow them and you are presented with the challenge of following the bombers and it is a shadowing challenge. Okay, shadowing works too. With an advance of 11 plus. <laughs> I'm regretting that, uh, I'm regretting taking that problem because now is when I really want that extra bonus. Uh, okay, okay. Here we go, I guess. First die is a six. Well done. You have two for shadowing? I have two for shadowing. Okay. Second die. Three, nine. Nine total is, unless you want to add a problem. I'm going to leave it there. I think I'm cool. close enough. It is a hold. The driver of the car realizes you're following him and tries to lose you. You remain on his trail and finally drive past the two men as they get out at A.M. Hillier's Publishing Company. Of course they do. They reach into their jackets for their guns, but by then you're long gone. That's it. Do you go home to bed? Yeah, I do. I think that's been an exciting enough evening for Mr. Shepard. I'm going to head home, pull the Mickey from my desk drawer, have a few pulls from that, and head off to bed for the day. Let's roll that as a challenge. I think that bombing attack was pretty harrowing. Let's make this a two-die challenge with an advance of nine plus and decide how drunk you get tonight. Okay. So you're saying I may have a few more than one or two pulls? And if you advance, you lose the problem. Object of ridicule? Yes. Okay, sure. Nine plus. First one is a six. Second one is a six. Perfect. Yeah. So you lose the problem, object of ridicule, by drinking away. <laughs> drinking away all of my bad feelings. And your self-doubt. Yeah. You do gain the problem of being more than mildly hungover tomorrow. Okay, and that may show up in other ways. Sure. I will, we'll write that down. So I got problem, hungover, GM decides. So we'll see how that potentially plays into sure. the following day. Yo, it's Dave Coleman from October 24, 2022. Here we go. It's the new outro. Basically, all the deets are below and I'm drunk as fuck and I've been editing this thing forever this is like the eighth freaking edit uh, we used to do outtakes so there's outtakes now enjoy the outtakes or don't Who fucking cares at this point also let's share this bitch right like share this motherfucker out there Cr you know criticize it tell everybody how terrible it is or whatever I don't give a fuck just comment on something about it make it happen tell people about this thing and then uh get on that patreon or there's probably never gonna be another episode straight up i mean come on i've made like nine dollars my best friend peter he's on that thing he's the only one all right his name's shep jackhart he's got the best friggin' name out there right now here's the outro Tell me a little bit about what you, what does Jack drive? What does Jack drive? Oh, wait, we gotta wait for this train. He drives a train, and I'm on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is good timing. It could, could be the sound of my car. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, there will be car sounds. Okay. Oh, yeah, you, just, yeah, yeah. you just want to be in control of them, not let the train go. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No unintentional foley allowed. <laughs> that's foley. I fucking added it. <laughs> 
got to establish and keep a voice going here. <laughs> <laughs> Quit judging yourself. <laughs> Until about six. That's <laughs> I'm Southern. <laughs> yeah, there's a total timeline here. I wish I'd looked at this earlier. Uh, it's all here. I should. I've never read this. I fucking probably should. I'm just going to say, I don't know how many people can look cool while jumping from an exploding car. It's hard to do. <laughs> <laughs>